Part 1. Barataria. Chapter 1. Harlequin. Oh, don't be such a stick, Barbara. What are you afraid of? Franklin Huxtable sprawled on a cushion in the pelican's stern, his hand draped over her tiller. With his white shirt open to the breeze, one leg crooked over a thwart and his tawny curls tossing about his neck, he looked as lazy and ornamental as an odalisk. If you are so curious to see a carnival, why will you not go? Lady Barbara Poole sat upright, leaning against the mast. You know very well, Frank, it isn't seemly for a twenty-two-year-old widow to visit Grand Terre at night, much less with a single gentleman. She tugged at her cotton skirt for emphasis and shifted her position to keep the little sloop's mainsail between her face and the sun. Oh, for a wide, floppy fisherman's hat like her Uncle Huxtable's. Bonnets always caught the wind and choked her, or else blew off in the first puff. Lieutenant Jasper Bagley, her late husband, had adored his bride's thick auburn hair and peaches and cream complexion. For Lady Barbara, four years of fair skin in a balmy climate had meant endless vigilance against sunburn and freckles. Single gentleman, Frank languidly stretched his arms. I'm your cousin, for God's sake. You're single, nevertheless, and more or less a gentleman in your own odd way. Besides, we have had no invitation. It's a festival, dear girl. They don't issue invitations. She shaded her eyes and looked back at the long spit of land where they had just filled two large boxes with supplies. Who doesn't? Who has arranged this carnival? Jean Lafitte and his band of buccaneers? He laughed. Considering that Grand Terre is their island, I dare say they have... Perhaps this is their way of expressing gratitude to all of us who buy their goods. And to all the ship's captains who unwillingly surrendered them, and all of the customs officials whose coffers are empty. Their coffers may be empty, but not their pockets. But never mind them. Frank wriggled up so that he could fix her with a commanding glare. Think of it, Barbara. Here we are, in the exotic land of Louisiana, which for your own odd reasons you've determined to leave, and tonight of all nights is its greatest spectacle. When will you ever again have a chance to watch fishwives and creoles and buccaneers revelling under a half-French, half-American moon? Never, by George. And just as well, Barbara retorted, since we are at war with both the French and the Americans. Frank ignored her interruption. Next Shrove Tuesday, you'll be in dull old London, poor girl, gazing upon the bleak Thames River instead of the shining Barataria Bay. Would you rather recall the glories of Carnival on Grand Terre, or curse yourself for a coward who dared not go? Barbara quailed to hear her cousin's favourite word, and hoped he had not noticed it. Next Shrove Tuesday, I assure you, I shall be far too busy dining and dancing. I dare you. Alas, he had noticed it. You can wear a mask, Barbara. No one will recognise you. We'll go in costume as Harlequin and what's-her-name. A mystery to all. Only you and I shall remember, as we grow old and grey in Grand Isle on Barataria, or Strand on Thames, that once we were young and bold and had glorious adventures. I dare you. Lady Barbara Poole let out a long sigh. Columbine. Frank grinned, but quickly suppressed it. That's it. Harlequin and Columbine. I'll meet you on the dock at eight. Back in the cottage she shared with her mother, Barbara rummaged in the wooden trunk at the foot of her bed. Frank probably didn't remember, but she did. 
The last time she had worn her columbine dress was for her wedding. What a confounding business life is. When she and her mother moved here from London four years ago, Lady Barbara Poole had brought her two best gowns. She never wore them. On this small patch of beaches, farmland and wind-stunted trees, no one dressed formally for dinner, no one attended soirees, concerts or the theatre. Frank did bathe and change clothes between a day of fishing and their evening meal. His father, who had lost half a leg in the war, was not always so particular. By the time the family was invited to a masked ball in New Orleans, both gowns were stiff and spotted with mildew. Barbara's resourceful aunt salvaged bits to sew her a different kind of costume. Out of her ruined finery came a colourful dress and a patchwork apron for Columbine. There was enough left for a motley shirt for Frank as Columbine's clown partner, Harlequin.